Welcome to Entrench, a 21 Pilots podcast. Hello, local dreamers. Welcome to Entrench. My name is Anna, and this is episode 52, Fairly Local. Make sure you listen to the song beforehand and are ready for an in-depth analysis of track four off Blurry Face. Yeah, nothing much is new. Um, I am taking a social media hiatus for October, which I'm very happy about. It's only been three days now, but I am thriving. I'm honestly way happier. (laughs) Before I left, though, I did do an intro reel to the skits I'm going to be doing with Tyler and Josh. So the intro reel was just introducing me as Tyler and Josh and using quotes that they've said in interviews and behind-the-scenes videos to do so, but the plan is to post skits of, like, hypothetical scenarios, such as, like, why Tyler would leave the band or why Josh would leave the band. Speaking of, if you have any ideas for why Tyler would leave the band, please let me know. I thought Josh leaving was very easy to come up with, and I even have some dumb puns I'm gonna include. But I'm still, like, not 100% sure what I want to do for Tyler. So I'm open to any and all suggestions. This is all humor, of course. But I have, like, 12-ish ideas already. I need to brainstorm some more. If you can think of any other funny hypothetical scenarios, you're also welcome to share. Um, If I ever use anything, any ideas that you guys give me, I will, of course, give you credit. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of what's new with me. Obviously, I'm always hoping, as we all are, that there's new music on the horizon, but I have no idea. But I was messaging Lexi um, recently, and I was saying, you know, it's the past few albums have been every three years, so it's definitely coming out next year, which I feel like we've known it's coming out soon anyway, but I feel like the three-year mark was also further confirmation. And similarly, because I know that it's like the ending of the Dima storyline, Um, The last two albums have both had animals on the covers, so my prediction is there will be another animal on the cover. I don't know if it'll be Ned or something new, but I feel like there's still a lot of questions and unresolved things with Trash, the dragon, and Ned, and like how it all ties into the story that's been brewing on their music videos. So I'm really curious to see if, similar to a novel, like a lot of those questions will be wrapped up in the next album and like I feel like just narratively as a writer I'm really excited to see how they finish the storyline and also of course I'm always going to continue wishing that it's hopefully like a clash of the style musical styles of Trench and Scaled and Icy I just think that would be awesome I would love to see like Ode to Sleep change in tempos and musical styles in across like singular songs that would be so cool like I just want to see everything coming together to make it really feel like it's like the ending of a book but yeah let me know like what you guys are hoping for what you are potentially excited to see or figure out with the coming album but yeah lots of thoughts running in in my head and feel free to also let me know if there's anything i'm missing on social media um if anything crops up like clues or things we never know. We never know when something's going to crop up, so I'm always curious, um, and I'm sure you guys are antsy to know as well, so if anything pops up, I'd love to discuss it as well, 
Um, chances are I won't see it, but I would love to talk about it if you want to bring it up. So anyway, let's dive into Fairly Local. So background, I think this is similar to some of the other tracks, but recorded in Hollywood and produced by Ricky Reed. I didn't know this, that this was the lead single, the lead single off Blurry Face, and it was released on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, 2015. Yeah, that's about all I found online for it, but I also, I think I maybe mentioned this before, but when I did my research project and presentation on 21 Pilots in college, my third essay, I forget what it was on specifically, it had like specific communication term, I think it was maybe like deconstruction or something but basically the paper was centered around finding something what's a good word finding something with your cultural object for me it was 21 pilots and analyzing how it either intentionally or unintentionally what's a good word like leaves out people or things like it's somehow flawed or problematic and as you can tell, like, that's something I'm not afraid to do, as I kind of did a little bit with Guns for Hands when we analyzed the video. But part of that essay was about Fairly Local and the line, I've seen the streets are walking down. And I just remember that the main point of my paper was how 21 Pilots both buy their literal, Josh and Tyler's literal identities and also just the discography as a whole. Um, it tends to show ignorance or exclude perspectives from lower class people of color especially just because that's the nature of like when you have an identity it's naturally not going to be inclusive of everything like that's very much a human experience we can't relate to everyone just because of who we are and so it's just this kind of irony of like these lyrics are not actually true to certain people and how in a way that could potentially be even maybe offensive to some people um, that someone could claim they've seen what you're going through or the streets you're walking down and looking at these people and being like uh you have no idea so in general i think this kind of analysis is important especially for empathy as christians to constantly be aware of how even the things that we love can maybe sometimes unintentionally usually but nevertheless in our imperfection as humans certain things can be exclusive or seen in a different way than intended just because we're all so varied and different and so yeah that's just a way that i particularly like to critically analyze things because i think it also shows value in how even when you love things like you can still value that there's different perspectives to it than yours and in doing so, it just makes differing opinions from you, especially with things that you love dearly, not be as hurtful. I would encourage you, like, try understanding a different perspective because I think then that takes out the sting of any type of argument. And as I learned argument in my major, it's not what we tend to think of as argument is like this big, angry, unhealthy thing. But argument can just be like differing viewpoints engaging with one another um, and it can actually be very calm and very civil and very empathetic anyway that was just random background to what i think of when i think of this song but also insight into a way that you can analyze things which i love doing especially cultural cultural artifacts moving into the song itself 
<laughs> starting off on a funny note um well of course tyler's vocals in this song feel very eerie i feel like it also just sounds like a lot of these songs on this album which is why some people might not like it as much is kind of has this vibe of like stereotypical white rap <laughs> for lack of better term but the music itself i think you know what i mean but the the funny thing that i wanted to just mention about the music is with the synth and the drums and the way it's all like combining together i was like you know this feels like the perfect kind of song that would be a basketball warm-up <laughs> and i feel like this is tyler's moment where even if unintentional he was like let's have a basketball warm-up bop in here because i could totally see this being something that's playing in a gym as teams are warming up like come on so i just thought that was a funny random my brain connecting random things moment so i hope you appreciate that but moving into the actual lyrics this song starts off with the chorus which i feel like they almost never do this so i found that interesting and he says i'm fairly local i've been around i've seen the streets you're walking down infamous line i'm fairly local good people now i think aside from my critical analysis i think literally speaking these lyrics definitely pay homage to the fact that tyler and josh have been a lot of places and probably a lot more places than you or i have been um unless you're rolling in dough then good, good for you or a touring band that's awesome but i am neither of those things so my scope of having seen the world is very limited but they've literally been able to feel that they understand people on a different level than a lot of other people can just because they've gotten to see so many places of where all these people are living and where they're coming from in a way like they're seeing a lot of people's roots and being able to empathize further just I feel like where you live and where you're from is just so personal in a cool way and that's such a cool opportunity to be able to tour around and see all those places and things that mean a lot to people who care about you. But also I think it kind of, these lyrics speak to a spiritual aspect of understanding um, and understanding what people are going through in terms of sin and temptations and as Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, nothing is new under the sun. He says this again and again and it really is true. Like humanity just continually goes through the same things even sins even the ones that feel the most shameful are not new and they've been experienced by millions of other people which hopefully can be solace to you and despite what you feel so many other people have experienced depression anxiety suicidal ideation the list goes on and because of that we have a specific important vantage point as christians that nothing is new and in that way, there is an extent to which we can know a lot about other people, even if we don't know them deeply, because there's a lot that just innately unites us all. And I can imagine if they've seen so many places and they've seen so many people, and Tyler has talked about seeing the pervasiveness of mental struggles in all these different places as well in interviews, it's also literally and spiritually a good reminder that despite people's locations, and the differences in that aspect, they really are very similar in a lot of ways. 
And I think in that way, the more places you go and the more similarities you see, I think it, it really does help you understand like just how small the world actually is in terms of experience, which is kind of, a again, also a cool reminder. And then the other thing I noted was the fact that he says good people. And I think this is a good reminder because we can be very black and white and think people are either good or bad, but just the statement that throughout all these places, there's good people is crucial to understanding that everyone's equal. And despite our opinions or even despite situations and things that have happened, people are equal in value and in identity from a Christian standpoint. No one is better, no one is worse. And in that way, I also wanted to bring up one of the sermons we had at my church a month or so ago was about cancel culture and how there's actually another cancel culture, which is the gospel. And in that cancel culture, it's all about how Jesus canceled all of our sins and debts and things that the world wants to cancel, ironically, and how the gospel is good cancel culture. <laughs> I can't think of the proper ones today. Comparatively. There we go. <laughs> so then going into verse 1, he makes a lot of statements. I'm evil to the core. What I shouldn't do, I will. They say I'm emotional. What I want to save, I'll kill. Is that who I truly am? I truly don't have a chance. Tomorrow, I'll keep a beat and repeat yesterday's dance. Of course, he starts out by saying that He's evil to the core. He's sinful. And I feel like, I'm pretty sure this is like debated theology, if we are born evil or not. I think it has a specific term, but I don't know that everyone agrees theologically. And I'm not even fully sure what I think because it's like, we're born into sin nature, but I think I do agree with that, but also we're born in the image of God. I think it's probably just more of a gray area than we want to think and like two supposedly opposing things can coexist at the same time. But I also think this statement that he's evil to the core in a way is also sort of low self-esteem and self-sabotage, especially with what I shouldn't do, I will. Kind of like self-fulfilling prophecy of like, if you say, oh, I always do what I shouldn't, like with perfectionism, that's big language but because of that you're more likely to do the things you shouldn't just because you've continued to tell yourself that narrative and I think I've maybe mentioned this before I talked about this so someone else in the podcast but some people can inaccurately skew Christianity and our relationship with God by just taking it too far with low self-esteem and being like oh well we're just scum the earth and detestable and all of these things are not true to the reality of our redeemed selves so these statements kind of remind me of that more lie-filled belief that's based on low self-esteem and probably lack of understanding of goodness and truth of god especially in light of redemption similarly i mean we do also have an inclination for destruction we do tend to not do what we should because we have an inclination just like Adam and Eve the they could do anything but this one thing and so of course they ended up doing the one thing and I think that does speak to our sin temptation apart from God which now that I think about that how does that work if they were 
made pure prior to that, then how did they have that temptation? Has anyone discussed this theologically before? Let me know. I've never really thought about that before. Obviously, I know that maybe it was just because Satan as a snake came along and that's what created the temptation. That's probably what it is. Because if God made them pure, I feel like inside of themselves they couldn't have come up with the temptation, but they were influenced by the snake. So I think that makes sense, right? <laughs> I think so. Anyway, so then he goes on to say, they say I'm emotional, what I want to save, I'll kill. And this is more describing how he's too invested in what he loves and all the ways that people can see being emotional as negative. I'm very well acquainted with this dilemma because I've always been very emotional and so I've had plenty of people imply or directly tell me that they think it's a negative thing. Spoiler alert, I don't think it innately is. But I think it makes sense that we can think that, especially because as Christians, sometimes we can be overexposed to the idea of, like, emotions are bad, emotions are misleading, and there is a layer of it, of course, like, the Bible talks about that, but at the same time, like, that doesn't mean throw everything emotional out or all emotions out. Emotions have healthy sides to them and unhealthy sides. Another one of those coexisting tensions. And... What I want to save, I'll kill. This almost reminded me of, of Mice and Men and Lenny. <laughs> Didn't he kill the, the mice that he actually loved? It's been a while since I read that. But similarly, in my life and what I've experienced from other people is how we can be so desperate at times because we really love something or are really scared to lose something or someone, which... I've experienced the fear of losing someone, and I've also experienced someone fearing of losing me. And because of that, we can be so desperate and leaning into the emotions so much that it, it does end up suffocating the person or it does end up suffocating the thing because the emphasis and the, the motive is pretty self-absorbed rather than actually considering like, okay, not only do I want this, but I should probably consider like, especially if it's a relationship, what does the other person want um, and what's for the best for both of us, not just what do I want. And I know in my own life, I definitely resonate with that, with like holding on too tightly or giving way too much out of anxious attachment to a guy or a relationship just because, romantic or platonic, just because I really loved the person and really wanted it, but in reality it was like I wasn't considering maybe they wanted something different than me. And so I think my over-eagerness in those situations did push some people away. Similarly, I've had people do that to me as well. But yeah, I think there's a lot, there is a lot of truth in the unhealthiness of when emotions do make you suffocate the things that you actually want to save because you're doing it with the wrong motives and you're doing it in the wrong way. And I think that is a good example of taking a good emotion but twisting it and taking it too far and not being others oriented in the process but because of that is that who i am both questioning theology and wondering like am i born good am i born bad am i mainly comprised of these good parts or these bad parts the good narratives or the bad narratives in reality i think it's once again in the middle especially in the tension of still being in the brokenness and not being fully redeemed yet even though we're already in the process 
I truly don't have a chance. Tomorrow, I'll keep a beat and repeat yesterday's dance, and I played around with what keeping a beat and repeating could mean. Two ideas, working through whatever it is with music and how he redeems so much through music, literally keeping the beat and repeating the dance because it's helpful, or it's more of a negative where keeping a beat and repeating yesterday because you're trying to tell a line between good or bad repeat yesterday in terms of like prior to redemption or more sin nature than godly nature so those are just some ideas to float around we go into the chorus yo this song will never be on the radio even if my clique were to pick and the people were to vote it's the few the proud and the emotional yo you bulletproof and black like a funeral the world around us is burning, but we're so cold. It's the few, the proud, and the emotional. I'm wondering if he took this from the few, the proud, and the marines. <laughs> I also thought of that while I was analyzing this. Either way, I mean, it's very catchy. It goes well together. Has anyone heard this on the radio? I never heard it on the radio. So, in a way, I feel like Tyler knew exactly what he was doing by choosing this to be what song he said that in. But I also think he says that because, in general, introspection depth and especially considering heavier or more eternal topics like theology and christianity are definitely not praise and entertainment at least not outside of christian music spaces <laughs> christian worship these are not the types of themes that are pushed onto the radio these are not the types of themes that make a good hit and get on the billboard top 100 um just because people would rather prefer the ease of like a nice dancey beat or people would rather prefer some type of surface level or easy emotion i compare everything to literature because that's my other second love it's like people it's it's so much easier to read a romance novel than it is to pick up a classic and really be challenged by something and i think in a way especially in western culture and american culture that's also because we were lazy i mean yeah we're lazy but also i think we glorify relaxation to the point where we can easily equate it with not thinking or using our brains. Most of our relaxation time or hobbies tend to be passive more than active, even in terms of like not as many people reading. Um, or if people read, it's more very predictable, easy things, which makes it slightly more passive than more heady things that you have to actually think about more. I mean, it makes sense when when you've had to do a lot all day mentally or emotionally like the last thing you can sometimes want to do is something else that's mentally or emotionally taxing but at the same time like those things could also aren't just negative those things could also make you feel more productive or make you feel more empathetic choosing to do something creative and just watching instead of just watching tv could just make you feel more alive make you feel connect, more connected to other people yeah there's so many layers to that idea but we tend to glorify passivity similarly i would highly recommend either taking a social media break or i just watched a video called the it was something like the negative effects of binge watching by this is embarrassing i watch her frequently and i'm forgetting her name um but she normally does a lot of myers-briggs videos the personality and psychology analysis but she's also a Christian, and so she did this whole video on 
the negative effects of binge watching, part of which I really resonated with creatively because she was talking about how we're constantly oversaturated and people creatively either doing stuff more often than us or doing stuff better than us, even though, I mean, that can be very subjective, but I was like, oof, yeah, that, I think that definitely has been something that's killed some of my motivation to write or do other creative things that I don't do as often, but yeah, at the end of that video, it had, she created a list of 20 different media challenge options that you could pick for seven days, and she encouraged you to pick at least three of them. So I'm currently doing four for the week. There's a good variety of options. Basically, they're all either related to limiting your intake of media or they're related to just better caring for yourself. So like some of them were more like self-care, like drinking four cups of water a day or um, making yourself a green smoothie every morning or um, like the ones I picked were read at night instead of scrolling on your phone. I've been not hitting the snooze all week and it's been really hard, but I've, it is possible. Call three friends. I miss phone calls and there's something so much more emotionally and socially satisfying to actually talking to someone and hearing their voice than just texting. Also, another alternative is voice memos, but I think I'm also just biased because I love podcasting. And then the other one I'm doing is no streaming services for five business days. And it's been great. Um, I think the best part of this challenge, there's a lot of other options as well, but the best part of this challenge is that it really affirms that even when things feel perpetually part of your schedule, or even when you feel like, oh, I can't do that, or that's always just going to be part of my life, like never hitting snooze or always constantly on streaming services. Like, no, you actually can change and you have the power to do things differently and, and get your life back. And a lot of it has to do with dopamine and rewiring our brains because our brains have expected everything to be extraordinary because of the way that shows are constructed and the way that social media is constructed. Um, and so a lot of limiting the media intake is also like a value because it's kind of trying to reset you back into your childlike wonder of like you can enjoy the daily stuff again you can enjoy little things again um, your brain just needs rewiring and you need to break habits that you've been doing with media for however many years but it is possible no matter how many years you've done it like I've had a real trouble with getting up in the morning since 2020 and for me I was just like oh COVID just like messed me up and that's just like how I am now but this is like proving no it's actually something that you can just reset in your brain and it actually is just a mental battle and you don't have to like use the self-defeating narrative of like oh that's just how I am now or oh I'm just always going to be stuck scrolling on my social media feed for four hours a day you know and obviously I also took the extreme of taking social media off for the month, but it's been so great to have so much more time for like consistent exercise, cooking, those important wellness things, but also more time for socializing, more time for creating, more time for relaxing even, um, and stuff that I enjoy doing more that's not scrolling on my phone. And so if any of that speaks to you, I know I'm on this huge tangent that is not related to fairly local, but I would highly encourage you 
to do something because it's very empowering in a way that we don't do regularly anymore, at least people our age or younger, because we're just saturated in media. And I didn't even grow up with smart devices. I didn't get a cell phone until eighth grade and I didn't get a smartphone until college. And so if you've literally grown up with smart devices your whole life or even just like easy access to a laptop or iPad from a very young age, I can't imagine like how much more saturated you've been than me and I already feel like I've been incredibly saturated. But um, speaking of scale and I seen saturation, <laughs> but like, yeah, just know that even if it's been your entire life, it can change and you can find value in just like getting to do something small like read 10 pages of a book or call your friend for 15 minutes you can find achievement in just working out for 30 minutes or cooking a meal for yourself there's so many more consistent and daily joys that we can have instead of just huge extraordinary once in a blue moon milestone life achievements that not everyone even has you know like you don't just have to be getting married or having a huge life change for something to be impactful so um that's what i really appreciate about this but anyway how did we get here oh yeah introspection the industry not liking that let alone like media just being very surface level <laughs> so that was my spiel hopefully there was something about it you appreciated and it wasn't just like i'm talking at you i mean i literally am but you know what i mean <laughs> they're also not safe topics because it's kind of like awake versus asleep and all of that theme. So, the few that proud the emotional, though, I feel like this emphasizes how, obviously, the people that value this are a lot less than the people who'd rather do passive things just because how culture, Western culture, is wired. The proud, not only do they like doing these things, but people, an even smaller percentage of people who, like, really want to push and advocate for it. And... The emotional people who aren't afraid to invest in their beliefs and question what's actually important and question media and use their free time to do things that require more intellectual effort and question where focus should be and what should even be absorbed into our brain, even with passive entertainment. These are all great questions to have, but they're not valued and like, let alone I'm sure media and people who develop social media and all of that, like, the last thing they want is for you to have a brain and question, like, how do I actually want to use this app? Do I want to use this app? <laughs> that is, like, the last thing people involved with media creation and curation, they don't want that. Which is why you should do it. That's so rock and roll. <laughs> do what the system doesn't want you to do. And I think the few the proud and the emotional are also not afraid of deconstruction and how culture impacts critically analyzing everything and we're so cold the world around us is burning because people are freaking out but we're cold because cooling everything down you know cool as a cucumber we're thawing people we're thawing hearts out here it's an important job so similarly in the next line you kind of like okay there's this people and then there's you, bulletproof and black like a funeral. And this to me is like the antithesis of the problem, the emotional. Bulletproof isn't like not affected by emotion or depth or maybe even ignoring it or suppressing it. Black is lacking light or color. 
um, with color specifically, I added in like kaleidoscope, like holding on to you, um, and how God brings so much more and the opposite of black. And then funeral, devoid of life um, and living in, <laughs> this is the darkest part I wrote, but um, the opposite is living in imminent death and destruction. We've been talking about controversial topics at church lately, and we talked about hell. And truly, like, the opposite of people who want to question, people who want to be theologically involved, is people who face imminent destruction. Yeah, it's a hard reality. It's an uncomfortable reality. But it's not something we should have to apologize for because it's also reality. And because of that, hopefully that can spur you to want to talk about it. Even if people don't like it, even if they have whatever reaction they have, you can at least have the solace of knowing at least you brought it up and what could be more important. You know, I always think about like, say Jesus was a liar and none of this was real. Okay, then believing in it doesn't matter, but say it is real and it changes everything, and it nothing could be more important. So either way, one of the options has no consequence, but one of them has the most severe consequence you could ever have. So hopefully, gospel-wise, that can also be a good way to reframe and encourage you in evangelism and just wanting to love on people and acknowledge that love is not just the western and westernized version that we've come to know and glorify but love can also be challenging and it can also be uncomfortable because it's not about just pleasing or agreeing but obviously it takes a time and a place it, it requires a relationship and not just like talking to people you don't know who are probably very likely not going to be swayed by someone they don't know so also just being cognizant of what's appropriate as well and as another example like jesus who was he harshest with it was not the non-believers it was the pharisees and the religious people who thought they knew a lot <laughs> and so similarly best thing you can do for non-believers is just love them be a relationship with them i feel like i'm pulling all of this and paraphrasing from either pastors lately or people at church um so none of this is my own thought but a wholehearted reiteration so again as we are cold to the world's burning up like the Jonas brothers we are cooling down fear cooling down tension and also cooling down hatred because we know that argument does not have to be heated it can just be calm seeking for understanding curious it can just be curious and curious is a good thing we our job is the few proud the emotional is to focus on commonalities and unity because the world is obsessed with difference and division um, and i think that's especially in our culture today and in the younger generation we have the opportunity to be refreshing in our value of unity when so much is about us versus them so i hope that can be inspiring as well Going into verse 2, I'm not evil to the core. What I shouldn't do, I will fight. I know I'm emotional. What I want to save, I will try. I know who I truly am. I truly do have a chance. Tomorrow, I'll switch the beat to avoid yesterday's dance. I feel like a lot of these songs on Blurry Face are similar in terms of like insecurity turning into truth, which is turning into tools to combat lies. 
And this verse is a good example of living in the truth and the redemption now that was not present in verse 1. What I shouldn't do, I will fight. Um, The willingness to not just sit in sin nature, but want to fight what is tempting us. And how we don't have to just be a victim, but we can pick a side with God and we can post our allegiance against the tendencies that we have in the lies and temporariness that Satan plagues the world with. I know I'm emotional and owning that identity, owning an identity as a whole is kind of symbolized in the statement, but also not being afraid to invest, not being able to do something that's hard because it it makes life all the more meaningful instead of just numbing or avoiding or downplaying. And being able to hold the tensions at the same time of like, I can be happy about my redemption, but also like grieved and confused about the reality of hell at the same time and all the other types of coexisting tensions that we are constantly living as saint and sinner. I truly do have a chance and I think this is also a reminder that there's always hope and even with or especially because of depression and hopelessness. And in that way, we don't have to rely on our emotions, and emotions can deceive us in those moments because maybe our thought processes still need refinement and they're constantly going down the unhealthy coping path. Or maybe our emotions and lies are just getting the better of us and making it harder for us to see the truth. But regardless, because we have redemption in God, we do have the assurance that even when we don't feel certain things, things can still be true. I think the world is also the opposite in that way. It's like everything that you feel is true, but God comes along and says, actually, you can feel things and they can also be incorrect and inaccurate to reality. And I think that's a really important thing to remember when mental health is bad. Just because you're panicking or just because your body feels unsafe doesn't mean that it is. And when we can't, like, rationalize our way out of it, we can at least ground ourselves in the reality of, like, are we breathing? Are we sitting in a safe environment? Um, Going through the senses and putting ourselves back in the present. Because I think with suicidal ideation, um, panic, all of these things, when when your brain's in crisis mode, it really is all about looking into the future and the what-ifs and, like, what if nothing ever gets better? What if I don't matter? And the best way, I think I've said this before as well, but the best way to combat that is be as present as you can. And that doesn't have to be anything drastic. It can just be something tiny, like put your feet on the floor and look at the floor and remember the fact like you're literally physically grounded. Tomorrow, I'll switch the beat to avoid yesterday's dance, which I think proves that yesterday was a negative thing. And so, similar to the media, media tie-in, see my, my rant? turned into relevance um but here he's explaining we can break our routines we can break our bad habits we don't have to just continue to do the same thing because it comes easy but we can also change the course of where our brains want to go or where our body wants to go then the pre-chorus comes around again and it's blurry faces voice um with the vocal effects and i think similar to stressed out this is the point in the song where He's mocking, and he's trying to take down this victory that has been rationalized through and also just lived out through the course of the song in this last 
ditch attempts. So that's most of my analysis. Um, we have that extra surprise scream of yeah at the end, um, just as cherry on top. Yeah, that is fairly local. I think this song is also a good tribute to fans and those who find value in the band. And similarly, like placing joy and being emotional into places or things that others could mock or discredit, especially when it comes to things you're passionate about, like a band. And this is especially true with young people. Young people are notoriously mocked for things that they love, um, especially young women with boy bands and things like that, or Taylor Swift. Young people can so easily be discredited by society just because they tend to be less numb and more passionate, which is ironic that we're trying to squash or discredit things that actually prove people are more alive. But I also think this song is a great tribute to those who are unashamed of theology and the gospel, and as a whole, this song is a great reminder that it's okay to feel and it's okay to care deeply about things, even if it seems like a lot of the people around you don't, depending mostly on what type of culture you're in. But also because of that, there's plenty of people who are fairly local, they've been around, and they understand the streets you're walking down. So even in an emotional experience that can feel isolating, there's also plenty of people singing along to this song who understand and relate, and you're probably standing next to a bunch of them when you're at a concert singing this song, which is so safe and secure. So I hope you appreciated this analysis, and I hope it was encouraging that you can enjoy what you enjoy, and that's okay, and it doesn't have to you don't have to validate it. You don't have to make a case for yourself. You can just be and people understand. You know what? I know it's really hard to do and it's especially if you've ever been a people pleaser, but sometimes you just gotta say, you know what? It's okay if I'm misunderstood by some people. I don't have to be understood by everyone. And if even if God is the only one who understands you, not even the people nearest to you understand you, even then it's okay because no one else matters nearly as much as God and God understanding you. So I hope wherever you're at that you can feel confident to go out and be loud and proud about what gives you inspiration. And I mean, that's what I'm literally doing now. So thank you for letting me do this. Thank you for caring and continuing to listen. I know I say it a lot, but I really value all of you and um, especially everyone who wants to stick around year after year um, and hear the thoughts that just originate in my brain out of passion. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm always just blown away by the amount of people who want to stick around um, because I would much rather have the few, the proud of the emotional, than a bunch of people who are fleeting. So thank you for being the few, the proud of the emotional, for Tonyo Pilots, for the Lord, for passion but also for me. I really appreciate it. So, whatever you want to talk about, whatever is on your mind, I want to hear from you. You can email entrenchpodcast at gmail.com with a written account of your 21 pilot story or your favorite memories you have related to the band or theories for the new album or real ideas. You name it. You can also reach out with an episode request if you want to analyze a song, video, or album with me. If you'd like to contribute to the analysis we've already covered, you can join the podcast Facebook group by searching Entrench Podcast Group. I feel like 
this is significantly dipped obviously because I'm not on it but also I feel like way less people at least regularly use Facebook anymore which is fine I completely understand especially because it's like mostly ads now which is gross but it's still around if you ever want to join if you ever have random thoughts to think you're always welcome um so yes you can also find entrench on podbean for both spotify apple music amazon music anywhere else you name it you can find me on instagram you can find me at entrench underscore pod um if you're curious about my intro reel or if you just want to scroll through what i've posted i'm very sporadic but you can see a little bit of my personality on there yeah i don't know i'm in i'm in a rambly mood but (laughs) i think we've think we've come to the end so tune in next time for the fairly local music video thank you so much for listening friends stay alive and remember in trench you're not alone